Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Radically Loved. I'm joined by a very special guest today. I can't wait to tell you guys about this book. I've been reading it for the past two weeks, and it really is so inspiring. And we have the author here today, Kashal Chaksky. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Rosie. Thanks for having me. The name of the book is called On a Wing and a Prayer, Spirituality for the Reluctant, the Curious, and the Seeker. And it very much is exactly that. You have such an incredible story right from the beginning. The first introduction sentence, I was hooked. And I would love for you to tell the listeners why it happened so quickly and what inspired you to write this book. Well, actually, quickly is relative. It's taken me almost 20 years to talk about it. To, <laughs> right. and to write well, about respectively, it. I guess, you're right. Uh, right, right. Yeah, in the lifetime, the span of a lifetime is pretty quick. But yeah, I was in consumed in this rat race, wanting to live this American dream, working on Wall Street, Taipei personality. And that miraculous escape from 9-11 kind of woke me up and it beckoned me to think beyond what met the eye. I thought there had to be something more than what's out there. At that moment, I began to question the status quo. And accidentally, I stumbled upon this journey of breathwork and meditation, reluctantly, I must say, and that completely changed the course of my life. And I felt that if I can share with the world what I have experienced through this journey, through this path, that would be something worthwhile, uh, hence, the, hence the book. You know, one of the things that I loved the most in the beginning, when you're actually describing the type of work you were doing, you did such an incredible job at articulating this sort of rat race experience, the the monotony in a way of going through the motions of doing this career that is supposed to be the American dream. And you're kind of going through the motions. So from the beginning, I feel there was something so poignant about that experience for me somehow it it was almost like how many of us go through the motions of our lives and our careers and we feel that same monotony we feel that same mundane feeling of okay i'm going through the motions of this but somehow it just feels a little bit off yeah i mean it's a very strangely self-fulfilling prophecy right yeah you are in it and you feel oh this is it and the more you and then success begets success. And then you more you get into it, the, the faster the current and off you go. And, and then when you wake up, like 20, 30 years of your life has just gone past. And the other day I was talking to my wife and it occurred to me that if our nature is to evolve, right? We're all moving step by step, evolving towards a higher purpose. Then why does it take a momentous event, maybe a loss or a 9-11 for us to wake up and ask that bigger question that actually 
moves us towards that that our goal. So it's it's strange that we have to experience something so momentous in our life to be able to drop that that monotonous mundane rat race and and think something bigger, even even aspire for something bigger. Yeah. When was that? I mean, obviously experiencing 9-11 or being having this yeah, momentous experience. Why did you name it? I know why, but I'm asking just for the audience. On a wing and a prayer, I thought was such a perfect title for the book, right? But can you explain to the audience why that may have a double meaning for you? Oh, as an aviation enthusiast, I love reading about this World War II pilot. His name is Hugh Ashcraft Jr. And he's coming back from the enemy war front and his aircraft is hit by all the attack, you know, enemy missiles and his, his rudder is damaged, his, the plane's nose is damaged and he radios the tower saying, I'm bringing into land or I'm coming into land on a wing and a prayer. You know, it's just to say that when going gets tough, that's when our attention, our, our awareness moves towards something higher. Otherwise, we are just in the rut. And hence, yeah. I thought that, that was somewhat analogous to my story of how I made it land. And, and so it's honoring and prayer. Yeah, it's so good. What has been your feedback on the book? I mean, are people just loving this? So far, it's been very encouraging. I'm, I'm very I'm deeply humbled. I, this is my maiden attempt at writing. So it's uh, <laughs> people have been very generous. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's great. The writing is incredible. I mean, it truly is. I really have been enjoying. It's so interesting because I read. That's what I do, right? I read. I can go through many books very quickly, and some books I like to read. I like to have the book, the hand, you know, book in hand, sitting on the couch, having my tea and reading. And then other books, I'm listening to it on audio on Audible. And I'm either in the shower or if I'm getting ready, it's playing. Mm. I have other books that I listen to when I'm driving. I have other books that I like to listen to when I'm working on the computer. You know, if I'm doing something mundane like a spreadsheet, which sometimes I know I'm a weirdo, but I like creating spreadsheets. (laughs) But this book specifically is one, the reason why it's taken me two weeks. And to me, that's a long time. Like that's a really long time to finish a book. But I have to have this experience because the writing is so beautiful. And maybe because I, as you're going through your, again, I don't want to give away too much, but as you're going through your journey, because I, I know some of these experiences are very akin to my own. It just feels, yeah, like just very beautiful for somebody who's a seeker, somebody who is looking for something more and still has doubts of what spirituality even is. So I think it's it was very beautifully written. Thank you, Rose. It means a lot. I, I really wanted to put myself out there, no filters, no tinted glasses, nothing out there, and and just just complete open kimono writing. And I just that's how I I kimono oh, no, writing. That's that's the best. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's how I felt. Like you know, usually there's a process for writing. You know, I, I've been asked so many times now, how did you write? Like, what was your process? And I really had no process. Actually, I'm someone who shies away from processes. And so this book was no different. And I just started writing about it, not knowing how the next chapter was going to be, not knowing how it was going to end. And truth be told, the book has written itself. So I, I would just sit to write and it would just it would just come. So sometimes I would be surprised at, at my yeah. own writing. 
What was the most challenging part to write for you if you had a challenging portion? I think going back to the 9-11, digging through those, those memories was a little bit challenging. I mean, it's been a while, so it's kind of faded out of my consciousness. But yeah, other than that, it was a it was an expression of joy. I mean, I really loved writing it. I, there was no really difficult moment per se. One difficulty I had was to keep the chronology straight. You know, yes. I, I, it's been 20 years. I, my memory has, has been sketchy for some of these earlier part of the book. So I was like, okay, did this happen before or after? And just hopefully the reader will forgive me if, if it was, you know, the chronology was a little bit here and there. It's mostly all, all set, but... You know, that was some of the difficult parts to, to kind of get things in order. But other than that, it was just fun. What is your spiritual practice like now? Well, actually, before you answer that, you know, spirituality and being a spiritual person, I think, can have different connotations for people. And I think that the way that you write about it in the book is I love it. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed your definition and your way of expressing it. So maybe just for the purposes of our conversation, can you define what spirituality or being spiritual means to you? To me, being spiritual is being natural in any circumstances, being yourself, no matter what. A lot of things that are associated right now are probably the optics, right? What, how it, it may appear, how it may be packaged, how it may manifest in day to day. But to me, the, the real essence of it is just being in, in touch with yourself. And when that happens effortlessly, not through effort, not through trying hard, not through reading books, not through conceptualizing or intellectually making a mood out of it, right? but just naturally, without much effort, when, you, when you're in touch with that delicate space within you, I think everything that that you do in life just becomes so natural and normal and it just flows. So being in that flow state, no matter what you do, to me, that is the definition of spirituality. Yeah. I love it. So good. Yes. I agree with you. I think that we're in a time where a book like this is really needed when people are feeling a little bit lost or perhaps they're being faced with having to pivot their career because maybe they got laid off or they're feeling a little bit robotic in their experience or they're not feeling the fulfillment and obviously going through a pandemic like we're going through. Mm. I wonder if anything came up with for you during the pandemic with, you know, regard to, yeah, having experienced something like 9-11. It's interesting you ask because a very, very similar emotions were evoked even you know, during pandemic or, or afterwards when I experienced some personal loss. And it was the same kind of somewhat familiar walls kind of narrowing in. But what I experienced this time is how I responded to that was very differently compared to the first time around. And perhaps that's my, my practices, that's my perhaps more grain in the hair, whatever it is, I, you know, the, the actual number of years in life, whatever it is. But it was much more effortless and much more seamless to, to go through it without it bogging me down completely or without it before early on, it was such a, such a struggle. It was so difficult to move past that. But at this time I could, I could see that as a, as a play and just, just move through it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, I think that speaks to your practice, your ability to 
actually go into the space of seeing everything, right? I think that for me, a spiritual practice is one of oneness and union and being able to, yeah, go with the flow, not allow the external world to crush you or crush your soul or your spirit and to be able to utilize whatever's happening in the world to either grow or transform or learn different ways of living and everything in the world is impermanent. And for me, anytime something happens, I think the only thing constant is change and everything is impermanent. And I always go back to that because I know that, and not to sound pessimistic, I think for some people I've had these conversations and they maybe feel like I'm being morbid or negative, but it's really an acknowledgement it's an acknowledgement that two things can exist, right? We can be excited and ecstatic about our book being out in the world and sharing this beautiful message. But at the same time, you can be open to something not working out or some event happening in the world where you're not going to sit and dwell on it. So I guess what I'm really saying is that having a spiritual practice really allows that way of being to come forward as opposed to focusing on all the negative things or all the bad things that are happening in the world. I totally agree with you. Either that or even wanting to enjoy the world, wanting to enjoy the life and, and the pursuits and desires and ambitions, they are not, they're not mutually exclusive to, to your practice of meditation. Something that I had a wrong notion about early on, which I thought meditation was anti-progress, that you had to give up everything and go to a cave and, and meditate. But it's, it's not that. In fact, that taking that 20 minutes out of the day makes everything else so much more juicier and so much more vibrant. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Tonal. Hello, friends. Yes, here we are. Tonal, you know what I'm going to say. It is my favorite piece of workout equipment. It has every single exercise I can possibly do. I've been really hitting those Pilates classes, and I really love to be able to do small movements, high repetitions, and know that I'm getting stronger. I've been having a lot of issues with my back lately since I've been sitting a lot, and doing these Pilates classes on my tonal have really helped strengthen my low back. Tonal helps you train smarter so you can get stronger faster. It's like having an entire gym and personal trainer in your home. You can now get financing for Tonal as low as $63 a month, zero APR for four years. There's professional installers that will deliver and mount your Tonal safely and quickly so you can spend your energy working out. They also offer a three-year limited warranty. Try Tonal today, the smartest home gym for 30 days in your home. Tonal is so confident you'll love it, they offer a full money-back guarantee. You can start at $63 a month with zero interest over 48 months. So don't miss this offer. Visit www.tonal.com and for a limited time, get $100 off when you use the promo code ROSIE. That's www.tonal.com. Use promo code ROSIE. And now back to our show. What is the main thing that you want your readers to feel after reading your book? But if I can do it, anyone can. <laughs> that it's not something out there. It is not something to, to acquire, to achieve. It's not something like a, that takes years of practice. It's not something 
that's so difficult and only some lucky privileged ones can achieve i feel we all have it it's just a little bit of uncovering just undusting that thing that little membrane that that's shrouding it and it's all in there we have it and just a little little time commitment that's all it takes mm-hmm. for one to just experience that and I, if i could experience that i i want every soul on this planet to just experience that that stillness that that state of mind without thoughts that space which is source of so much creativity so much more productivity and liveliness so i think we owe it to ourselves i think yeah I 100% agree with everything that you're saying. <laughs> There's one thing that people, uh, listeners of this podcast ask for. They're always asking for advice on how to get unstuck. And it's really become prevalent in the last year and a half. We've had listeners email us to ask us to have people talk about how to move on from grief which is the first one and then the second is how to get unstuck. So for you what is the first thing that you do or that you would recommend to people listening to this podcast to get unstuck if they're feeling like they can't do anything, they're feeling just completely incapable of feeling good or looking at something positive. I would say two things. One a little more intangible which is look at life as a game. it is one it's just something that you just go through it without the emotions but second if that the first is harder or ethereal or an intellectual concept out there have a practice adopt a breathing technique or something that helps you get out of it because life is going to happen there is no way that even if you start meditating even 15 years of meditation you know life still throws things at you that are unpleasant So it's not like it's going to stop happening but how do you stay unstuck and move through it depends on the conditioning of your own mind and to remove that condition it's our conditioning it's the patterns of our mind that that keeps us stuck to something whether it's a some people relationships situations work whatever it is it's how we are trained to think that keeps us stuck to a situation if that impression was relieved maybe you have a memory but no charge to it if that there's no grip of that conditioning in your own system then automatically you will move without feeling stuck and it's a breath work in my opinion my my learning it was the sky breath technique that helped me scrub this negative impressions this cough marks in the nervous system figure out your own modality whatever works for you but that breath work has that power to just scrub this impressions and make you very free make you in the moment Can you describe what the sky breath is for people that may be unfamiliar with it? Sure, sky breath is is a very innocent breathing technique which uses the rhythms of our own breath to introduce coherence, to introduce harmony within ourselves. You know, we have all these different functions. We have functions, the physical functions, the functions of cognition, perception, memory, intellect, ego, all these different functions they go out of whack as life happens to us. and it's this sky breath meditation just few minutes of breath work that brings them into the rhythm and when you bring it comes in the rhythm you naturally feel in the flow you naturally feel in the moment and that in my opinion is feeling unstuck because all these things different things something that's weighing down on your memory something that you perceive is kind of 
making you feeling stuck in that moment. When those things are no longer there, you know, those, those things don't have a, an iron grip on your, on your being, that's when you're free. And so this sky breath just does that. I mean, there's a lot of scientific validation that I will not bore you with. But if someone like me from 20 years ago want to go deep into the science and see if there's, there's a lot of that too. But to me, experience is more than anything else. And just a few days of practicing it, you don't even have to practice it for months, just a few, three, four, five sessions. You can see a difference how that feeling of being unstuck becomes very natural. Yeah, it's interesting as you're saying that, and I'm thinking about it for my own self, any... It's hard for me to feel stuck when I'm out doing something or if I'm out in the sunlight or if I'm actively pursuing something or I'm walking the dog or I'm in motion. It's such an interesting thing because when I think of being stuck for myself, I visualize myself sitting on the couch and just on social media, scrolling through Instagram or doing something that's creating this stagnant feeling where as you're saying that, a great way to get unstuck instantly in that moment is to put the phone down and do some breath work and to just do some breathing and how quickly that gets you out of that repetitive cycle of a negative spin or any other narrative that is happening that's yeah. keeping you stuck. And we have time. We have a lot of time on our hands. You know, it's not like we're too busy to meditate. Oftentimes we feel that, that we're too busy to meditate or too busy to spend 10 hours breathing. Yeah. What do you it's, say to somebody that tells you that they don't have time to meditate? It's my favorite thing that people say to me that I'm just, you know, I think it's, it's quite interesting that people really believe they don't have time, but what would you say to that person? I learned from my teacher is that for an arrow to, to tear forward, you have to pull it back a little bit, you know? So for you to effectively show up in anything else you do, whether it's showing up for your, for your kids, for your family, for in your, at your workplace, be an excellent employee or a boss, you just need to take that, that few minutes out of your day and, and connect to yourself and, and kind of see everything that's happening. Just step out of it. Step out of that, that flow. Otherwise, you're constantly in it, that, that fast flow. You're just stepping out of that flow few minutes of coherence and then jump back in. Hmm. Oh, that's really great. I love the visual of that because in a sense, it also feels like if you're feeling overwhelmed, stillness is the key. Being able to pull back and really assess the situation as opposed to trying to figure out an issue or a problem while you're in the rat race of just life. And Rosie, we never say I'm too busy to brush my teeth. I'm, I'm too busy to, you know, for personal hygiene. Why? Because we see the benefit of it, right? Because we see, like, if you, if you step out without brushing the teeth, you know what's going to happen. So we never question that. No matter how busy we are, we're going to take that two minutes or whatever it takes to, to brush the teeth. Why do we ignore the mental hygiene, mm. you know, as if it's not needed? In fact, our mind is a lot more exposed than anything else. The amount of information we consume today. Yes. You know, I was listening to it the other day on NPR that what we used to consume in 30 years is kind of the information now we consume in three months 
because thanks to the smartphone and, and social media and, and onset of all those things that are constantly bombarded at us. And um, imagine amount of havoc it's creating on our nervous system, leaving all these impressions. I mean, mental health was never a talked about subject when I was growing up, perhaps because it was not needed. And now we, you know, we need Mental Health Day, Mental Health Awareness Month. Why is that? Because I feel it's the need of the moment. It's need of the time. So the lifestyle was different back then. Now it's very different. And to adopt to that lifestyle, I guess that 20 minutes of meditation is absolutely essential. Yes. Well, it's such an interesting thing. I've talked about this before, how our brain, I read this article that was talking about how our brain doesn't have the capacity to digest as much information as we're putting into our brain. We need time to integrate. And even as simple as looking at a website and there's this thing called ad, like advertisement, ad mm. blindness. We don't even see them anymore. It's just the eye has been trained to ignore all of the information, even though we are an ocular society and we are constantly taking the information in, it's too much for our brain to process all and integrate. So I feel like there is tension and stress in that. And we're not doing things like meditation or unplugging or going to bed at a decent time and getting enough sleep. I mean, this is these are what I believe the contributors to people having, needing the mental health day. Yeah. And so much is happening. We, a lot more is demanded of us right now. It's so critical to keep our own vital force, that energy up. And, and how do you get that energy from? You know, you get it from food, you get it from caffeine. sleep. Yeah, <laughs> caffeine. <laughs> but it's not sustainable. Yeah. Uh, definitely not life-supporting. Right. So. Breath and, and calm state of mind, two most ignored sources of energy, which I think you ought to tap in. Yes, I so agree. I want to be able to respect your time. Actually, I'm going to respect your time. Not I want to be able to, I will. <laughs> I have one final question, but before I ask you the final question, where can people go for more information or to reach you directly? On my website, my first name and last name.com, kushalchoksi.com, or on my social media handles. I'm uh, being a first time author, I'm a lot more active than so on social media than I ever was. So I'd love to hear from you. If you read the book and if you have feedback, please send it along. Great. And we will add those links in the description of this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, those links that Kushal just mentioned will be there. If you're watching the video on YouTube, they will be below in the description. So thank you so much. The final question is with regard to this podcast and why I created this podcast, because I believe that we are all radically loved and supported by God, universe, source, whatever higher power of your understanding that the universe works for us and not against us. So the final question for you is, how do you feel radically loved? I think being in the moment is when you feel loved. I think the universe is constantly there, out there. And just being aware every moment, being grateful that the universe is loving us unconditionally in every moment. That feeling of gratitude, that feeling of gratefulness brings that love, that being, that, being aware of that love. Oh, 
So good. I always love hearing people's answers. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Kashal. The name of the book is called On a Wing and a Prayer, Spirituality for the Reluctant, the Curious, and the Seeker. Please pick it up. It's such a great read. It's beautifully written. And um, we're so excited to have you all here. Please send this podcast to somebody who you think would benefit. If you heard something that inspired you, we love to hear from you too. Don't forget to tune in next week and always subscribe, rate, and review when you can. Big hugs. We love you. You are radically loved. And thank you so much, Kashal, for being here. Thank you, Rosie. Pleasure. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us. Message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes. Write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.